Welcome to Wannabe Clutter Free, formerly Wannabe Minimalist, the podcast for busy families who are tired of the chaos, fed up with being overwhelmed, and ready to enjoy life again. Each week, we talk about how to let go of the clutter so that you can focus on the things that actually matter. And it's not just physical clutter. We talk about the mental and emotional stuff too, because if it's holding you back, it's time to ditch it. I share what I've done in my own life to declutter, organize, and calm the chaos, but you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's practical, doable, and simple for those of us that want to be clutter-free. Well, hey there, my friend. Welcome back to the show. My name is Deanna Yates, and you are listening to episode 187 of the Wannabe Clutter-Free podcast. On today's episode, I'm talking about the 10 decluttering and minimalist living tips that changed everything for me. Look, I know it can be hard to declutter, especially if you are new to the process or if you've tried in the past and failed, but I know you can do it and I know what a difference it can make in your life. And that is why I am so passionate about helping people to clutter and organize their homes. I know it's not just about the stuff that surrounds you. It is about giving yourself the freedom to be the person that you truly are, the parent you want to be, the partner you want to be, and the person you want looking back at you in the mirror. Stuff gets in the way of that. And the more stuff we have, the harder we cling to it and we let it define us. I promise I'm not going to get all woo-woo on you today, but I need you to understand that our stuff and what we choose to keep around us does have a profound impact on how we feel about ourselves. But I am getting ahead of myself a little bit. We will get to that kind of stuff when we get into our top 10. I do have a few exciting announcements that I want to make before we get into it. The first is in response to a review I received this week. The comment was that this show has become a little ad-heavy for the listener. And you know what? My show does have more ads on it now because this is how I am able to bring you free content each and every week. I wish I was independently wealthy, trust me, but unfortunately I am not there yet. Maybe someday, but until then, ads help me do what I do for you. However, and here's where the exciting announcement part comes in, I have actually set up a supporter podcast feed for this show, and that means that you can directly support me each month, and for doing so, you will not hear any ads. Pretty cool, right? It has probably taken me way too long to get that set up, but it is better late than never. If you are interested, I will leave a link in the show notes, or you can go to wannabeclutterfree.com supporter. And for less than a cup of coffee, you can stream all of the episodes, that is 187 to date, ad-free, and ensure that I can keep bringing you amazing content. There is also an annual option that comes with some cool bonuses. And now for announcement number two, I am hosting a free five-day summit from January 29th through February 2nd. So save the date. You can register for free at chaostocalmsummit.com. Again, that's chaostocalmsummit.com. All one word, no spaces, no dashes. And over the course of five days, we will transform your relationship with stuff. We will find you more time in your already jam-packed schedule. We will help you declutter some of your toughest spaces. You will learn how to implement some effective organization strategies, and you will create a plan to sustain and maintain all the progress you make during the week. If getting your home in order is on your list of goals for 2024, you do not want to miss out. It is going to be an amazing week. 
And it will be the perfect way to jumpstart your efforts, reinvigorate you, or help you with the momentum that you've already built up from the beginning of this year. I am always talking about inspiring you into action, and this summit will do just that. I have an incredible lineup of speakers, and we are all so excited to come together for this very special week. So do not miss out, especially because it's free. So just go grab your ticket at chaostocalmsummit.com. Again, that's chaostocalmsummit.com. And I will have the link in the show notes so you can click right through and make that nice and easy. And then go ahead and invite a friend or two to join you. The more, the merrier. I know you can reach your goals this year, and I am here to help. Okay, those were my two big exciting announcements, and so now let's get back to today's show because I am so excited to share with you the 10 shockingly simple decluttering tips that finally changed our cluttered home. Number one is that all rules are made up, or really there are no rules. I know this one is probably going to be the most woo on the list, so stay with me. I'm not going all matrix on you and there is no spoon. Basically, the rules we have in the world are social constructs. We set them up. I read something the other day. It was something about a dishwasher and how somebody was really struggling in their kitchen and keeping it clean and getting it clean and the dishes had piled up and it was just so overwhelming. And, you know, part of it was that her dishwasher, it sucked. It wasn't good. It was it was just kind of a crappy dishwasher. It didn't do a good job of washing the dishes. And so she was telling this to her, I think it was therapist in the story, And they said, well, just run the dishwasher a second time. What? Like, it was so just out of the ordinary that it just kind of shocked her into the moment of like, well, duh, right? And so, so much of the things around us are that way. We have the things in our life because the people before us had the things in their lives. Our friends all have these kinds of things. If you look around, you will notice that your life is very similar to the people you hang around with. And so if you are trying to make a change, that can be really difficult because they're doing something different or you're doing something different than they are, right? And rocking that boat, it can be a little scary. But just understand, please, that everything that people have said you need, that you have to do, things have to be done a certain way, they do not. The people that get remembered in life are the ones that rock the boat. They're the ones that do things out of the ordinary. They're the ones that see the status quo and say, why? And so How does this work in my life with decluttering? Well, because maybe people say you need to have a dining table. Well, for years we didn't have a dining table because we didn't have a big enough place. So, you know, how do you eat? Well, we had a converting uh, coffee table. Or maybe people tell you you need to buy all the stuff to be happy. Well, I can tell you that the stuff actually makes it worse. Because the more stuff you have, we'll go back to what I was saying at the very beginning of this show, the more your stuff controls you. And that doesn't make sense because we're told buy more stuff to be happy. But once you can break that rule, once you can break that idea, you can start to take a breath and really examine whether it works for you or not. So I started with the one that was the most, I probably should have tucked it in a little bit further down, but hopefully you're still with me. So number one really is that all rules are made up. So if you come up against something and you're like, but someone's telling me this thing, just take a minute and reevaluate it and, and put it in your own words or try to flip it on its head and see if it still makes sense to you. And if it does, go ahead and move forward. I'm not saying throw all rules out. That is not what I'm saying. But I want you to reexamine the rules that you come up against because those moments of I can't do that, it's probably because 
there's something you have internalized, some rule you have internalized along the way that makes you think otherwise. Okay, now I will get back to things that you're used to. But I wanted to show you things that you're not getting all the time, right? This isn't just pick things up and put them away. This is really under the radar stuff or stuff that's really going to get you the results. Okay, number two, if something doesn't work for you, try something else. Somewhat similar to the rules, to the fact that there are no rules, but this one really hit home for me when I tried different decluttering tactics and some didn't work for me. Or some might have worked prior to having kids and now that I'm a mom, it doesn't work for me. So just because something works for someone else doesn't mean it's going to work for you and that doesn't mean that you are wrong. It doesn't mean that there's a problem with you. Maybe your brain works differently. Maybe your lifestyle is different. Maybe the things you enjoy doing are different, right? Maybe you have different hobbies. Maybe you like to travel. Maybe you like to stay home. Maybe, you know, whatever. All these different things that make us unique as people mean that there are lots of different ways to do things, right? Life is a mosaic. We're all different in different ways and we can have some similarities. And so that's why we listen to people. It's why you come to my podcast because I can give you some tips and they're really going to work for you. And maybe some other things I tell you, you're like, "Eh, that didn't work for me. Totally fine. That is great. Everyone is different. We all have our different things. And so I remember trying the KonMari method with my clothes and, you know, it actually wasn't that bad when I didn't have a child that was constantly around and coming in and interrupting me all the time. Once I became a mom, there was no way on this planet without having someone to take her for a day or two, I was going to be able to do the KonMari method on my different things and create these giant piles. I don't do piles anymore. I remember I got all of our clothes out. I put them on our bed and it was just so exhausting because I then didn't have a place to sleep and I had to finish and I couldn't take a break because it was time to go to bed. And my husband glared at me with these eyes of like, you've got to be kidding me. What wild hair do you have, you know, going on right now? And that is just how it goes, right? Sometimes you have to experiment. And I understood that this method didn't work for me. I get that it works for a lot of people and that is great. And I'm not going to tell them that that's not the way they should do it. That's just not the way that works for me. So again, understand that it's okay if you try something and you fail. That doesn't mean you are a failure. It maybe just means that the way, the method, the the way you were doing it isn't right for you. Okay, that's number two. Number three is to start small. Oh, let's talk about this one for a minute. Oh my goodness. This one I really, hmm, I know it sounds so simple. Start small. It is shockingly simple. But if you are like me, You are someone who wants to bite off way more than they can chew. I am constantly trying new things. I am constantly diving in. And sometimes it is successful. This podcast, case in point, I had no idea what I was doing when I started, but three-ish years later, I am still here and it has become my job and it's great. However, it can also bite me in the butt, like I was just saying with that KonMari method with all my clothes on the bed and I, it was kind of a mess. So... We start small. If you're like me, you want to do everything in a weekend. I get it. I hear you. I really do. I feel for you. I was you. <laughs> but I quickly understood that I would get burnt out. I cannot tell you how many times I had giant bins 
you know, just they threw up all over my living room. And then I, by the time I got to the end of it, I was so tired and I didn't want to put it back together, right? So then I wasn't very intentional when I finally did put things back in. I made rash decisions. I didn't really pay attention to what I was doing on the cleanup portion of it. And then it was just kind of a mess again. It wasn't actually organized in the end. Stuff just got thrown back together. It's like when you move and you have those last like 5% and you're just like, I don't care, just throw it in a box. That's kind of what happens when you try to declutter too much at once. You get 95% done and then you really just kind of mess it up. You fumble on the finishing line and you don't quite finish and it just creates way more headache. So you can always add on more, but it is way harder to subtract out when it comes to where you're starting to declutter, how much stuff you're going to declutter in a day. And I have even gotten so much smaller because again, I've been decluttering for years. So I've gone through the process multiple, multiple times and one thing that has really helped me right now lately is getting even smaller on my decluttering. So <coughs> restart. I heard about this from Christine Co of Edit the Edit Your Life podcast. And I believe she got it from Shira Gill. It's called micro decluttering. And it's when you declutter a certain portion of all of your different things and you do one teeny tiny little category. So I'm going to do an update of that at the end of the show because I teased it last show. Um, but I have had success with that and just being able to say like, okay, I'm going to try to get rid of 25% of the items I hear. Count up all my items. How many would that be? Okay, can I get there? And you'll see some of those areas I was successful at, some I wasn't so much, but I still count that as a win because then I understand, oh, I'm actually using all of the things that are in here. And that is actually my end goal. It's not to get rid of everything I have. It is to only have the things that I need and want and use. Okay. So that is really number three, start small, really smaller than you think. And you can always do another shelf, another drawer, another area of the room. But it's really hard once you've gotten all of those things out to put them back in if you bit off too much when you started. Okay, let's take a quick break here to hear from our sponsors this week. And when we come back, I will dive into number four through 10. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. Are you overwhelmed by the things that get in the way of you doing what you want to do? Are you looking for ways to simplify life to better align with your values? Do you want to create space in your schedule so you have room for more of the good stuff, 
play, joy, relationships, gratitude, and more? If you answered yes to any of these questions, I invite you to check out Edit Your Life, a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. Through episodes with me, Christine Co., and a range of super smart, compassionate, and thoughtful guests, you'll come away with big picture insights and practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Check out Edit Your Life wherever you enjoy your podcasts. Okay, number four kind of fits with number three, but it is to finish one area before you move on to the next. So again, remember how I talked about I'm one of those people that I want to do everything. I want to bite off way more than I can chew. I just want it done like now. When I get this idea, I'm a starter. So I am always coming up with ideas. I'm always really excited about it. And then I lose steam when I get to about 90%. So I have forced myself to work in one area before I go on to the next. And that helps me actually finish a space before I move on. Because otherwise, my tendency would be, okay, I want to do the refrigerator. So I'm going to work on the refrigerator. But you know what? I really don't like uh, these dining chairs right now. So I maybe I should look for new dining chairs. I wonder if they have any on the Buy Nothing group. I wonder what my Facebook marketplace has. Um, okay, well, now, you know what? This drawer, I'm having a really hard time closing this drawer. Maybe I should organize this drawer. Does this sound familiar to any of you? When you come across the areas that really bother you, if you're a starter like me, you're like, oh, I want to take care of that now. But then you only get the 90% done, and so you move on to the next one. Because finishing isn't fun. The starting is fun if you are like me. And so I really challenge myself to say, like, okay, what am I working on? I'm going to finish that. What is the goal for this? So if I'm doing the micro decluttering, how many pencils are in my pencil cup? How many of those do I need to declutter? Okay, great. Once I finish that, then I can move on to anything else I wanted to declutter. Or if we're doing a little bit of a bigger project, hmm, I really would like to replace our dining room table this year. Okay, anything else in this room? Okay, maybe we get the dining room set up exactly how we want it to be, and then I can work on the curtains in the living room, or then I can work on different things in our kitchen, right? So focusing in one space, and it could be something really small like a pencil cup or something really big like an entire room. And just making sure though, you know, what is the end goal that what is the finish point? And at that point, then I can work on something else. Okay. So that's number four. Number five is to create zones. Zones were a game changer for me. Before I would try to put like things with like things. And that made sense. But once I started thinking about them as an activity zone or a place where things happened, or if I thought about where to keep this stuff, what would I be doing in order to need that thing? Okay, so where should that be? That's what really opened my eyes. It wasn't just like with like. Yes, zones create like with like. But it also showed me where to find something when I needed it, but better yet, where to put something when I was organizing, where to put it in the first place. So let's use an example of cleaning products. Well, if I have a bunch of different cleaning products in a lot of different places in the house, when I need one specific one, I won't know where to look. 
So if I say I'm going to keep all of our cleaning products in a caddy in the garage, well, then I know when I need a cleaning product, where I need to go. When I get a new cleaning product, I know where to put it. I know if I have enough space in my caddy to get another cleaning product or if there's something I need to throw out. That was part of one of the micro decluttering things I took care of this last week was actually dealing with some cleaning products that i had had for a couple years and we haven't used. So it was time to let go of those. And so that's where zones really help. Maybe in your living room, you think, okay, what are the activities that happen here? This is where our family hangs out when we watch movies. This is where we play game night. And this is where I entertain friends. So I should have in this room, this is a place where I want to keep our blankets. This is a place where if I have room for a game cabinet or a bin to put games in, maybe they should live here because this is where that activity actually takes place. And maybe this is where I need to have a few extra coasters because every time we have people come over, I'm always trying to run around the house and find them. So I'm just going to make sure that they're always here in this living room because this is where we need them most. So do you see how zones make that difference? It's not just like with like. They're not put anywhere in your house. They're where the activities actually happen. That one was mind-blowing for me. Number six is a little more concrete, and that is to put a donation box in a central location. The real trick here, though, is to put a starter item in there. Like, do you know how when buskers are out on the street and they are, you know, you've got someone playing guitar or violin or something on the street and they have their tip jar out, right? They have their hat out and there's always money in it. You never see it without any money. It's because psychologically you want to contribute, right? You say, oh, money goes in there. I have some money. Someone else has already put something in there. There's social proof that other people have liked this and they're contributing, Same thing happens with a donation box in your house. Put it in a central location, put something in it. I'm not saying hold something back. I want you to actually challenge yourself to every time you take something to the donation center, when you come back and that bin is empty, dig a little deeper. See if there's one thing in your house you can put in there. And then every time you add something, just bring it up in conversation. Talk about how you put something new in there. And after a while, because you're not nagging, you're not asking, people will see like, oh, you know what? I, hey, guess what? I don't need this thing. Like I overlooked this shirt or I don't, this doesn't fit me anymore. And now they know because you've been talking about it, your family will know where to put the things that they no longer want. And they will magically start to show up in this declutter bin, or they might not go there immediately, but you might hear them say like, oh, yeah, I could put that in the declutter bin and then offer to do it for them the first few times and see how it makes a difference. And then once they understand that's where things go, they can get on board. All right, let's take one more quick break to hear from our sponsors this week. And when we come back, we will go through the final four. Oh, hey, everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory, two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And now we're back with a whole new podcast about unsticking it, launching in January. What happens when life gets in the way of our creativity instead of nourishing it? We talk to all sorts of guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. So join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Get out of there, life gunk. 
let us help you get back to your best creative self. Look for Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Wherever you listen to podcasts starting in January. Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Because sometimes life sucks. Unsticking It. Hey, are you a parent of a teenager? Are you feeling overwhelmed about how to be what they need while also holding limits and boundaries that keep them safe? Are you tired of conversations that negate how messy this season of parenting is? Well, I've got you. My name is Casey O'Rourke. I am a positive discipline trainer, parent coach, and the host of the Joyful Courage podcast. Every week I come to you with an interview, digging into tough topics with experts I trust and solo shows that go deep into the personal growth and mindset needed to raise teens in a way that grows them into confident, capable young people. I am not afraid of getting real about the intersection of conscious parenting and the teen years, while also bringing in vulnerability, humor, and lightness. I'm walking the path with you and honored to serve. Listen to Joyful Courage on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you consume podcasts. All right. Thanks for coming back. Number seven is to understand that decluttering will never be done. I don't say this to defeat you. I say it because I think we often feel like there is an end point and we're constantly shooting for that end point. And we think like, if I just declutter this, it will be done. If I just get through this room, if I just, and I want you to free yourself from that guilt or that should or that pressure. I want you to understand that your end goal, yes, of course, is to get to the point where, like I said earlier, where everything that you find is something you use, something you love, or something that you want to keep. But as you continue to bring things into your home, there will be things to leave. Things are going to wear out. Things are going to need to be replaced. Things are going to break. So decluttering will never 100% end And that is okay. So you can let go of that pressure. I always felt like I had to be perfect and I had to have it done. And there was going to be this moment where it was just like this magical moment and the, you know, the seas would part and I would, it would feel amazing and I would be done. And years later, I'm not like that never happened, right? Like Yes, I am so much happier with our home. Yes, it is transformational. Yes, I am excited. It is a breath of fresh air in my home. I don't feel like bogged down by stuff, but it's it's not magic. It is work and and it helps and it makes a huge difference and I don't have to clean a ton and it's nice to be able to invite people over quickly and have people come stay with us and not have to like turn our lives upside down getting ready for that. So there are huge reasons why it is important, but you're still going to be you. There's still going to be stuff coming in your home. And especially if you have kids, it's going to last for a while. So just understand that that's okay. And it is what it is. And don't put so much pressure on yourself. That's what I mean by decluttering will kind of never end. Number eight is schedule a time in my calendar to actually donate the things in the donation box. Okay, so we talked about the donation box. We talked about decluttering. One of the biggest things that I dealt with, I've seen my students deal with, I have just heard over and over again is stuff shifting, right? You declutter one room, but 
you're not ready to go to the donation center or you have these really great plans to put it on your buy nothing group or you want to make sure it goes to the right the right donation center and so you're still researching and all that kind of stuff guess what it's not going to happen unless you make it happen so one way i have made it happen is i put when i know i'm going to be decluttering something a week after that generally maybe even sooner if i know that i'm going to be out and about i will put a date i will schedule it in my calendar like a meeting, donation center drop-off. Or if it's a big enough uh, declutter, then you can actually have them scheduled to come to you. And that is a great motivator to get through your spaces, right? Call and schedule a pickup and then you can just kind of get it ready and they will come get it right from your door. And you don't have to worry so much about getting it in your car, fitting it in your car, any of that kind of stuff life changer, but get it on the calendar so that you have a fixed date and it will actually happen. Otherwise, you're just going to shift stuff around your house and it gets really frustrating. All right. Number nine is to plan a tidy up at least once a day. I talk about this a lot. It's in my doable dozen guide. If you need a guide to help you kind of on 12 things that you can do every week to get and keep a tidy house, definitely check that out. I'll have it in the show notes. But one of those daily things that I do is what I call a power tidy. And I spend about five minutes going around and picking up the things that have gotten out of place because we live in our home. It's not a magazine. It's not a model apartment. It is a house where people live and things happen and things come in and we are in a rush. So it's not always perfect. So I make sure that I have a few minutes a day to go around and tidy up. And it doesn't take that much. And it's a really great way to stay on top of your stuff and actually start to make progress. And if you're at a place where your home is pretty messy and you're like, yeah, five minutes isn't going to make a difference. Great. Start with 10, 15. And if you do it on a regular basis, it will make a big difference. Now for me, because I've been doing it for a while, I also generally will do one 15 minute declutter a week. Remember back to the tip before this where decluttering never ends. Because sometimes for me, the decluttering is just straightening up a pile. Sometimes the clothes in my closet get out of place because I was busy when it was time to put the laundry away or, you know, something happened and I was kind of in a rush. And then once something gets out of order, it's much easier for other things to get out of order. Have you ever noticed that? So you just need to take a minute. And sometimes that's part of my 15 minute declutter during the week is restacking the stacks of clothes and putting things in drawers and making things look nice and neat. Because again, I've been decluttering for years. So sometimes decluttering is also organizing for me. And that is really helpful. And number 10 is to trust your gut. I talk so much about not second guessing our kids when we teach them to declutter. Here's what that looks like. You're helping your kids declutter. And you hold up something and you say, what do you think about this? And they say, yep, nope, get rid of it. I'm done with it. And you say, are you sure? (laughs) Okay, so now you have just put doubt in their mind. Don't do that. Don't do that to your kids and definitely don't do it to yourself. Because I feel like this was a big one for me where I learned that I forgot how to trust my gut. I kind of forgot. It goes back all the way to number one where the rules don't always apply. And so... It took me a long time to understand that my gut reaction is generally the one that is always going to be there. I can think about different things that we've purchased over time. So for a long time, my husband and I struggled to get on the same aesthetic and we've moved around a ton. And so we've gotten different tastes and different interior design 
cues from the different places we've lived, and it's taken us a long time to mesh all of those styles together. So lots of times along the way, there would be a rug that we agreed on, but it never really was one I loved. I always felt like I compromised a little bit, and I'm sure he did too. And so it was always a struggle sometimes to find things that we actually really did like. And so when I'm decluttering things like that, I just need to trust my gut and be like, yeah, you haven't liked this thing for years. And as long as everyone else is on board with letting it go, let it go. That is perfectly fine. So sometimes it's hard to tap into that. Takes us a little bit, takes a little bit of practice. That's why people say don't start with your sentimental clutter, right? Definitely don't start with photos. Don't start with the heirlooms. Don't start with the knickknacks and the tchotchkes. If they have no meaning to you, fine. But generally those things shockingly difficult to get rid of. So start in areas that you completely control where you don't have to worry about other people's opinions and you can really start to hone in on what is it that I really like. And if you find something you do like, what is it I like about this thing? If you find something you don't like, what is it that I don't like about this? Why did I feel compelled to buy this at the time? Was it a fashion trend in your closet? Was it a color that your friend said looked good on you, but you just never really liked it? Was it uh, something the salesperson told you, oh my gosh, but you look so amazing in it, but you felt self-conscious in it, right? There's going to be all sorts of things you're going to come up against. And so just understand that it's a process. Take a deep breath. I have had to learn so much about myself on this journey of decluttering and letting go. And so it's been great. It's been really informative. And as long as you're willing to sit there and just have a moment to learn and take it in and breathe in and be uncomfortable a little bit sometimes, you will be amazed at what changes you can make and and how it really does lift a lot of that guilt and a lot of that just heaviness that you have in your life. So just trust your gut, understand that there are reasons you like something and it is perfectly acceptable if you like something and no one else does, or you don't like something and everyone else does, that is fine. I gotta tell you, I don't think I'm ever gonna own a Stanley Cup. Everybody loves those things. They are all the rage. I mean, our 10-year-old's friend asked for one for her birthday. I don't get it. Okay, that's fine. I don't care. Everyone else can have their Stanley Cups. That's great. Enjoy those. I will stick with my glass one. I love it. And uh, it's all good. So I pick what works for me and I don't worry about those other things. So those are my 10 shockingly simple decluttering tips that I have used in our life to finally clear the clutter from our home. And before we wrap up this week's show, I do want to do a recap of my micro decluttering efforts over the last week as I promised I would at the beginning. Over the last week, I have decluttered my socks, my underwear, my workout clothes, the spices cabinet in the kitchen, under the kitchen sink, under our main bathroom sink, holiday ornaments, my pencils cup, and the Sharpies. And out of those things, we had 382 items when I counted them all up in individual things. Like I had 25 pairs of socks, 20 underwear, 12 workout clothes items, 86 things in my spices cabinet in the kitchen. It included some other things like jars and vases and a few other things. So, But it's just where I keep my spices, so that's how I knew which cabinet it was. Under the kitchen sink, we had 35 items. Under the main bathroom sink, we also had 35 items. We had 135 ornaments when we started, 29 things in the pencil cup, and 14 Sharpies. 
I decluttered a total of 81 items. That was 21.2% total overall. And I thought that was really good. Like I decluttered 24% of the socks. That one's a little difficult because it didn't add up completely. I decluttered 25% of the underwear I had in my underwear drawer, 25% of my workout clothes, 17% of the spice cabinet. But again, I use those spices. I cook almost every night. And so a lot of the things in that cabinet get used. 31% of the things under the kitchen sink. And that was when I was talking about some of the cleaners and things. I realized there were things we had not used in two years. We've lived in this house for two years and there were things that I hadn't used from when we moved in. So they definitely went. Again, it's hard sometimes to get rid of those things that are useful, but if you're not using them, let them go. 32% of the things under our main bathroom sink went. 7%, only 7% of our ornaments. But like I said, when I started this, I, don't, I think last week I said this on the podcast, I decluttered boxes, like two boxes of ornaments from last Christmas. So I feel like that was actually a really big success to be able to declutter 10 additional ones on top of the ones from last year. So I don't care if it's only 7%. We only have 125 ornaments from somebody that came from four big Rubbermaid bins of ornaments. That is a success for me. Even if I got rid of more ornaments, it wasn't going to change the bin that I actually had them in. So it's not a problem at the moment because they all fit in one space. In the pencils cup, I got rid of 34% of things and the Sharpies was my biggest. I got rid of 64% of the Sharpies. I only kept five black Sharpies. I know that sounds like a lot, but when you need a Sharpie, you really need one. So I kept the ones that were in really good working order and a couple of the different kinds, like a thin tip and a dual tip. So all that kind of stuff. Anyway, so I was really excited though. I did get rid of nine Sharpies. We had 14 to start. We have five now. So that to me was a win. And it has been really easy to just do one teeny little area a day and it makes a big difference. So if you are looking for a little trick to try, go with number three, which is start small and try something like this where you say, I'm going to declutter 10% of my stuff. I'm going to declutter 20%, whatever you pick, what number you think would feel good for you and authentic. I'm aiming for 25. I'm at 21.2% right now overall. So we'll see how it goes as the weeks progress. Really, anything is a win. It, there's no hard and fast rule. Again, back to number one, we make up rules for ourselves as we go. So do what works for you. And uh, yeah, I'll just keep updating you on those efforts as I continue to do so. And so with that, I would love to turn it to you. Were any of these 10 shockingly simple decluttering tips new for you? I hope some of them were. I know some of them were some tried and trues that I'm sure you have heard from me or from other people, lots and lots. But this was a moment for me really to reflect on what were some of those things that were a little unique? So if there was any that were new for you, I would love to know. You can send me a DM on Instagram or comment on this post. I'll make sure I have a post about this episode. I'm wannabe clutter-free on all the social channels. Or was there another decluttering tip that helped you that I forgot to mention? That is possible too. So come on over to the Wannabe Minimalist Family Group on Facebook. Share with the community there. There will be a discussion thread for this episode, and we would love to chat with you in the comments. And as always, thank you for joining me today. I am so grateful that you are here, and don't forget to grab your free ticket to the Chaos to Calm Summit. It is going to be 
five magical days to kick off this year on the right foot, and I don't want you to miss out. And finally, if you made it this far, I would be honored if you shared this episode with a friend. And if you want to be a little extra, you can also leave a rating and a review for the show. It will only take a minute means so much to me. So thank you for helping me out. And as you can tell, I actually do read every review I get. And with that, I hope you have an amazing day. Until next time, keep decluttering, keep moving forward, and let go of those rules that are not serving you. I'm Deanna Yates, and you've been listening to Wanna Be Clutter Free. I'll see you next week. Cheers. Real truth alert, pregnancy, birth, and having a baby isn't all sunshine and rainbows. I wish it were, but the reality is that many people struggle and suffer through this time without the right help or even knowing what they're dealing with. I'm perinatal psychologist, Dr. Katayun Kayani, also known as Dr. Kat. My podcast, Mom in Mind, aims to shine a light on the difficult reality that so many hopeful and new parents experience and raise the volume on how we can better support mental health, which is a big part of our overall health. Episodes include personal stories from people who have healed through things like pregnancy and postpartum anxiety, depression, PTSD, and so much more. I also talk with specialists and experts who explain and educate on these conditions. All of this to support parents to know that they are not alone, that healing is possible, and there are resources that can help you today. Listen into Mom and Mind and walk with me through the world of perinatal mental health.